Welcome to the Brood Life Podcast. I am your host, Brandon Hall. So grab a cup of coffee, plug in your headphones, and let's have a conversation. to the brood life and today we are going to continue our conversation from the last episode with our panelists uh, Cassandra, Shonora, Josh, and Tremaine and continue our conversation about being a minority or a person of color in a predominantly white church. So last week you heard their stories of their own experiences and what they've experienced and being in a predominantly white church and what they felt that what needs they needed to be met that they didn't feel was getting met or what expectations were placed on them which was a fantastic conversation and it's not any less fantastic this week and continue our conversation and we're just going to get you know right into it and uh, we're going to start talking about representation uh, and leadership in the church and just giving some ideas about, you know, what issues they want to hear addressed from the stage, from the pulpit on Sunday mornings, and also just some advice and some pointers for uh, pastors and leaders that of a predominantly white church uh, on how to reach and the people of color in their congregation and making them feel welcome and part of that body. So, uh, again, still a fantastic conversation. And so much good stuff in here that I think is important for uh, all of us to hear and listen to, especially those of us who are of the white persuasion. So uh, enjoy this episode. Enjoy this conversation. Listen again. Take notes and take it to heart and uh, just uh, sit in it and listen to it. It's so important. Uh, So without any further ado... We're going to get right back into the conversation and stick around at the end for some additional information. I, I want to, like, I didn't have this in, like, the questions we kind of discussed earlier, but we've talked, you guys have, like, hinted at it a little bit. And it kind of leads into the next question too. And it's something that we've talked about in our small group. So being part of a majority white church, you know, I, Tremaine, I think you talked about assimilating and then I where you talked about how you needed some Fred Hammond sometimes, but uh, so I just kind of like discuss or like talk about like what kind of like I, the, the term is like, code switching what kind of how like what kind of code switching have you had to do in a predominantly white church you know i we've talked about this in our in our small group with cassandra like you know i'll you can share you're a say too but you talked a lot about how you clap like <laughs> like and and uh and a lot of people don't understand that but like oh it's just clapping but no it's not just clapping but uh <laughs> but just like like if you guys can just like what what does that look like and uh, and then we'll go into our next question. But what does that look like for like code switching to in order to fit into that environment? Yeah, I think. <laughs> All right, I gotta be careful because I I, I want to keep my job. Uh, like... <laughs> I I think because 
we are the minority in a lot of places and a lot of areas. We have to almost make sure we are not the like we are not being offensive to people and and into our white brothers and sisters. And so, um, I, I mean, I don't. I, and I love my wife. My wife is beautiful. She's white, and we I think we represent the kingdom of heaven. Um, but you know, I like to blast my music. I like a lot of bass. She will honestly turn it down when we pull into certain neighborhoods. And I'm like, why are you making me do that? Like, 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 first of all, this is my car. It's, it's like, it's like, like, why are you making, like, why are you making me do that? Like, I'm, I'm jamming. And so uh, there, there's just certain time. I think it's almost like we need to make them feel, like, make people feel safe. And if we were to start bringing out some people, and I mean, dude, if me and a couple of my buddies who are, and I have so many different friends of different ethnicities, but um there's a time where i and i love my brothers and sisters of all ethnicities but sometimes i feel like i have to be careful what i say out of the like i'm i'm going to offend offend them with something which is so weird but then i get with my 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 brothers and and my and some of my other friends um it's almost like we can share the the frustrations and the and and the and the things and and it's like oh man dude like we we have a group message together and we'll just post stuff and we'll just send stuff and it's like it, it it's just like i i can't say or share some of those things with my white brothers and sisters because it's like oh man i'm i'm going to offend them or they're going to take it as offense but it's not it's just that's how that's how we are like that's just part of our culture um and so yeah like man i would love if my church would do some Fred Hampton, some Donnie McKirkland and some, some Kurt Frank and Brooklyn Tabernacle Choir. I would love, so I mean, I would love that because that's what I grew up on. I didn't know what Hillsong was, so I moved to Fort Wayne. Uh, I, like, <laughs> like, I didn't know what that was. I didn't know, I really did. Uh, some of the hymns I didn't know were actually hymns because of the style that we did it. I was like, that's a hymn? Oh my gosh, I didn't know. And so, um, yeah, there's just a certain amount of, yeah, just be, being careful and, and not being your full self, I feel like sometimes. I, I would agree with that. Um, I didn't really get an experience, but I didn't realize I, that, it was such, that it was a code switch until I got much older. But, you know, to agree with what Josh was saying was, you know, there, there is definitely... I did feel like there were two sides to me where it was like when I was at, you know, when I was at my white church there, it was, their bend was more country. So there was a lot of slow song, a lot of hymns. There really was nothing like upbeat or uptempo. None of that was happening. So, you know, to go back home and be like, okay, I got to hear something with, you know, and knowing that, okay, not everybody, <laughs> is going to understand that or feeling like I have to talk a certain way versus how I would talk at school or how I might say things at school was completely different from how I felt like I had to to speak at church how I had to wear my clothes was different than how I would wear my clothes necessarily at school like it was just a completely different personality for me so it was like things that I could joke about things that, you know, it was like, okay, I can't tell that joke here, but, you know, and it was definitely something I didn't come into, I didn't realize until later until I was talking to my wife about it, actually about um, 
this this podcast call, I was like, you know, I never realized like how much of myself I had to push to the side just to, you know, not ruffle feathers or not, you know, seem like, um, you know, seem like I was going against the grain. And that's something that has come up, especially in the conversations that I've had now, um, is that people kind of, they're kind of, they have the experience like, I guess treated me like, oh, you're not like them or you're not like the others, you know, like you're, no, no, you're different. No, this doesn't affect you because, you know, you're one of us, George Floyd's and all this, none of that stuff is really, you're different. And it was like, no, I, I'm, I have, I have, you know, I have experiences that you know nothing about, but the assumption was just, you know, hey, you're, you're not like, the, you're not like them, whoever them are um and so it felt like I needed to live up to that you know needed to live up to that standard of oh yeah let me let me not shock you too much you know and yeah definitely realize what and I think that's what a lot of a lot of people I know are running into now is I don't have to do that code switch you know like I'm an adult now I don't have to really float between both worlds for you but realizing that that was so much of my developmental years of doing that um just never realized like what that what that did and as far as like understanding my identity understanding my identity in christ who i am and who you know god created me to be um realizing that a lot of that during that time frame was essentially kind of washed out you know just didn't exist for you know sundays and wednesdays or you know whatever days it was like those days I was this other guy. And so, yeah, it's definitely been, it's definitely something that I've come to look at more that I didn't really understand was something that was happening. Um, especially, you know, cause we have to do this at work or we do this, whatever, but in church, you want to feel like it's a place where you can be you and who you are is not a distraction, you know, that it's not something that's keeping people from being able to experience Christ. So definitely, a learning experience oh yeah I can definitely identify with Josh what you're saying there that there's definitely an adjustment period to you know who you want to be for me a person that uh, does praise and worship and coming from a predominantly black church and then going to a majority white church it has been a transition I enjoy praise and worship no matter what it is. I do like hymns. I do like Hillsong. I do like, that's why I said I didn't, I did not, I do not like the uh, misconception that uh, I don't like all music because I like jazz. I like everything. I may sound a particular way, but it doesn't mean that I don't like all types of music, but I, uh, the coding, it hurts. And it doesn't matter how old you are because I found myself conforming. And then that's when I said, this hurts when I have to be this kind of person on Sunday and then another person when I go home. Because I'm going to put on Tasha Cobbs when I go home. And it's going to, take me where I want to go. Um, but I don't understand why I have to do that. 
when someone asks me not to clap the way that I'm familiar with clapping because it doesn't go with this song. To me, that is conditioning me to be somebody that I'm not. So uh, when you've been in church for a while, we talk about this, when you have this leaders know everything and you better not go against them because you are not teachable or you being disobedient, then you say nothing. <laughs> so I, after a while, uh, I was telling my group, I go up, I sit down because it hurts when you are being two different people. Cause I love all those songs, but I do want to hear Tasha Cobbs break every chain. I like the other break every chain too, but there's more than one. So I, and then it goes into, you said being um, empathy, but it's also acceptance. I don't feel accepted fully because I'm not represented. And if I ask, okay, can we sing Tasha Cobb's Break Every Chain? I get no response. That to me is I'm not accepted. So this praise and worship in the white church to me is something <laughs> that we have to uh, explore communicate effectively about it because it is needed if we want to have people of all colors be represented as the church that's supposed to be, as the Bible says. And I would say that I think that that has become kind of, I think that falls right into that where we say that, you know, it's the most segregated day of the week. I think a lot of that falls in there as well, where there's this idea that there's one type of way that we should be praising the Lord or, you know, I had the experience um, similar where I enjoy all kinds of music. I, I break the mold on all of that. I mean, my wife talks about me all the time. She's like, I don't want to hear no rock and roll. I don't want to. I'm like, I can go really anyway. I mean, and she, not that she's like, I don't want to hear it. It's just like, I will go in. Like some days it's just, this is what we hear in the day. I don't care. Um, and so, you know, recognizing, because I was always told when I was younger, it was like, it's good to develop an affinity for all types of music because when you get to heaven, they may not be singing what you sing. And it's good to have a well-rounded experience because you don't know, <laughs> you know, it's it, it, rather than being like, well, I mean, they could get up there and just sing folk songs. I mean, be prepared. You don't know. That might be the, the way praise gets down. And so as a young kid, I just, for me, it was always imperative to just try to, you know, hey, I, I can listen to country. I can listen to rock I can listen to R&B. I can do all these different things because it, it's it was all it was all purpose it's all a tool you know that god allowed these different sounds and these different you know ways for us to collab and come together so from to be pigeonholed into one type of you know one type of genre is just it's limiting of us but it's also limiting of god like to say that you know he's only going to put one type of sound on the earth <laughs> seems extraordinarily limited for you know such an unlimited god you know <laughs> Um, I think my code switching definitely started at Taylor. 
um, when you say I'm from Detroit, there's a whole list of stereotypes that come with that. Oh, are you from Eight Mile? No, I'm not. Like, no, I'm not. I'm from the hood. And um, because even though I was from the hood, my grandmother, uh, she gave us a God culture before any other culture. So I didn't really know I was from the hood until I got out of it. Because I was like, oh, <laughs> you know, there were, you know, so many things. But when I came to Taylor, first of all, the brochure was misleading. And so here I am in this place and I'm like, mm, this is not what I thought it was going to be. And as someone who was the younger one in my class, you know, I always identified with different genres of music. My, my uncle is a, a, a jazz trumpet player. He played with Martha Reeves. You know, I'm in the lineage of, of um, Louis Armstrong. However, when I was in high school, I liked Train. I like NSYNC, you know? And so I get to Taylor and, you know, when I wanted to play my Donnie McClurgan or my friend, what's that? Oh, it's too loud. You can't play that in the dorm, you know, or there would be other people that will, you know, want to join in. But then I kind of dabbled into the little uh, the uh, Metallica. And then I learned about Reliant K and wh whatever that group was you guys were talking about. And I was like that. No, I had Kirk Franklin. But <laughs> um that my newest code switch, because as you say, as you grow old, there's just some things you don't care about anymore. So when I would go to work, I would be blasting my music because I'm like, all right, I've got to get myself prepared for these preschoolers and whatever music, it could be James Cleveland one day and it could be, you know, Tasha Cobbs another day or it could be Oceans, you know, one day, but whatever I needed to get myself in that place, I would. But my most recent um battle with code switching is math i feel pressured like a peer pressure that because i desire to be safe because i know that a lot of people back home predominantly african-americans are dying at a faster rate than anybody else I've had more RIPs and I've been able to post and I go to this predominantly white church where these kids they love God and they licking all over each other and I'm tempted to you know want to be a part of this all right well I can just you know pull it down for this or uh I, I know they were just in and, and this is not like I love the doctrine I love my church but I just think there's this disconnect that okay the blood of jesus is going to cover all so we don't have to fear that we don't necessarily need wisdom there you may not be at a high risk but i am and am i less of a christian because i choose to consider one another i'm, I'm i want to love you i want to protect you but then there's this thing like well do you really want to protect me though in this case, do you understand that our little black babies are at risk even more so than someone else, you know, of a different ethnicity? Okay, so you, 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 you bear the burden of, okay, I'm so sorry about George Floyd, but now here we are in this pandemic 
And I feel like, oh man, am I being, am I, am I walking in fear? Am I being too black because I want to wear a mask? Am I, you know, am I, it, it's this battle where it's like, I, I thought I read this in the Bible. <laughs> but and I know we're supposed to have faith over fear, but where's the wisdom? We're so selfish as, you know, human beings. And it's almost to the point where those of us who do consider others have to code switch or are tempted to code switch because of what we see around us. And that's hard, man. That's hard because you don't want to be that Black person. Somebody, you know, even in, and I don't know if they're going to hear this or not. I, that was one of the things I was like, man, do I really want to do this? Because I don't want to offend my brothers and sisters in Christ. But they're like, hey, you should probably go and, and, and talk about, you know, hey, let's enforce, you know, mass tonight with these kids. And I said, but how can we when their parents don't? And, 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 and I, I really feel like it comes down to if you as a community have not collectively suffered there is no way you can mentally understand how important this is because you haven't collectively suffered you have me on your timeline and then you also have Candace Owens and so you're like well this person lines up with my political party so maybe, you know, you know, she is from Detroit. So maybe her doctrine is a little off. Maybe she just a little bit too black because we got Candace Owens over here. And I'm just like, and I'll just be looking like, what? <laughs> you know, yeah, I can, I can get down with you, but I'm, I'm confused. I'm, I have to be honest with you. I am so confused and I'm just like, my heart is like, even so come Lord. And so even this panel was hard because I'm like, man, I'm probably going to offend somebody, but it's not because I think that all white people are like that. I do think that there are some people that are just like, you know, let's consider one another. There's, you know, Brandon, you know, you guys are going through this battle, but I think that people who have experienced suffering have a little bit more privilege to be compassionate to one another versus those who have had some level of privilege. And that's not to say that all Black people are, and I know some Black people that don't believe in masks. You know, there's a, I think it's a socioeconomic thing, you know, as well, but we, they may not be completely effective. However, if we're Christians, and we're supposed to consider one another, let's do the hard thing. And if you don't wanna do the hard thing, stay at home. Stay at home. Are, are we just a church because we can come together physically? Yeah, I miss, you know, I miss it. Well, I'm an introvert, but you know, the body, we have to think about this. If we're so focused on coming together physically, where do we miss the mark before this happened? Because the body, Paul was writing letters of love and he was not, he was in jail. So 
if you're so afraid for everybody to be home, that means there's something, something, we skipped a step here. Because if the doctrine was preached, then didn't we used to have churches at home? So I, I, I don't know. I, that's too much. Yeah, okay. So what do you say I'm preaching now? Every one of these is like so hard to end with <laughs> just like a simple thought. It's like you want to just really go into it and it's like, okay, let me stop. Let me stop. Because <laughs> I, was, I was definitely with you, especially when you know, between talking about the common sense, which is like the Lord gave you a brain to go along with the faith part of it. Like if he wanted you to just, just occupy a space and be this robot, he easily could have done that. Like he gave you a brain for a reason to be able to, you know, to be able to reason, to be able to think. And I do feel like, you know, it goes right back to it where it's like so many things have been made to be have been made to be, you know, just this, this rigid way of thinking where it cannot be anything else. It cannot, there is no more room for understanding. There is no more room for any other idea to be had. It's like, this is it. And, you know, going back to even the code switching, I recognize it even now because there are things that I want to post that I don't post just because either a i don't want to get into a conversation like i don't want to have to debate this thing with you and there are definitely people who i know i will have to do that with um or it's just it's just, it it kind of pulls back onto my you know the experience of being who you're expecting me to be that okay they're probably tired of hearing from me about this. They're tired of hearing me say that this is something that affects me or whatever, like, dude, get over it. Trust God, you know, whatever we want to say to kind of, you know, erase my experience. I kind of sometimes find myself falling into it where it's like, okay, don't say anything today. Just something, something was said today. Just don't, don't even comment on it. Uh, the, you know, the, the administration said this and okay. Just pretend like it doesn't bother me. It does. I'm mad. My wife hears it, but just, <laughs> but I'm not going to say anything. Just, we'll just keep that conversation to ourselves. So yeah, there's definitely, even now, I still feel that pull, you know, to, to be someone else, even though I don't have to be, like, I could just unfriend these people. But at the same time, I kind of feel like then that's also kind of giving you what you want. Like, I feel like if you don't ever have to be confronted, if you don't ever have to see, you know, something that you didn't know existed or, you know, allowing people to comment on lives that they've never experienced and just leave it at that, it, it feels like, how does anything ever change? And it feels like that's kind of what we're getting a fight about is change. People don't want to be forced to change. They don't want to be forced to be different or to see that, hey, there's another way of looking at this thing. Like maybe it's maybe it's not all, we don't have all the answers. Maybe there is more to this than what we've been saying all these years or decades or centuries. Like there, there, there are real people living real lives, you know, real experiences. And it's important to try to understand those. So yeah, I definitely wholeheartedly feel, feel exactly what Shanor was saying. Like that whole thing is just so true. I'm going to just put a period on my sentence because I don't no. know how to end that. <laughs> I, 
was agreeing with you. You said the same thing I was going to say about, and we say this in our group, I don't unfriend anybody. I don't unblock anybody. I always say, or block anybody. I always say that uh, we are all at different levels of our walk. So some people are not going to get there. And if we block them or we unfriend them, how would they know? How would they see the example that we are to be? So I've seen some things that I'm like, oh, I can't believe sister so-and-so said that. But I'm like, okay, I'll get a chance to talk to her. God's going to give me that time where I'm going to be able to show, talk, and live the life that that person has not even had the opportunity to experience. I also say that God brought my husband and I to that church, to our church for a reason. And I'm not going to leave because I'm there because it's ordained for me to be there. And I also believe that code switching is a renewing of the mind. That's why I say it has no age limit because you'll fall back into it because you've been doing it for a long time as black people. We've always had to code switch. They did it when we, uh, we had this example of a, a family in New Orleans when he was when they was riding at the, uh, at the front of the train. Is that right, Brandon? And they were black, but nobody knew they were black until they discovered that. So this co-switching is the new word, but it's been happening all in our life. And to get uh, this out of our system, we have to renew our mind um, to not do it. Because all my friends, my girlfriends that hang around me now, the new word is to be your authentic self. Do not let anyone change you. Do not let anyone condition you to be something that you're not. So thinking of like that code switching and, and like what you have to, what you feel like you have to present in um, majority white church, do you feel that it is important to have uh, representation in leadership and behind the pulpit on Sunday morning that people that look like you and uh, yeah, just look like you, like how important is that to have? And also, uh, like kind of piggybacking off of that, how important is it to hear the people on Sunday morning, whether it's leadership, uh, a pastor, speaking staff, how important is it not only to have representation, but to also have them speak to the issues that are impacting your life that may not be impacting the majority of people in the church? Yeah, I think, um, so I have a student um, he's biracial, but, you know, he would consider himself black. And um, me and him are really, really close. Um, like, he's like, he's my little brother, and I love him dearly. Um, and sometimes I have to check him. Uh, but he, you know, he told me one time, and I think I said this the last time I was talking to you, Brandon, but, you know, he's like, you've done more for me than my own father has. Um, and then, two, he was like, if you were to ever leave, I'm out. <laughs> he's like he's like because like and yeah like I, I think there's something there where he he goes to Carroll High School um he, he you know he he has his family but then for me and him and 
I think it's important for him to have an older black male to look up to who loves Jesus, who loves him, um, who will check him when I need to check him. Um, and, and, and to, and, and to genuinely just, th there is something special there for him to see that. And I notice how he's, he, he has latched on to us and he, get, he even gets excited when he sees Jewel um, in the building too, because people don't fully understand when you are the minority and everything that you've seen growing up. I remember even just for me, when the Justice League cartoon came on and I saw that the Green Lantern was black, how excited I was as a kid, because I was like, whoa, there, there's a black superhero. Like that's, that was so cool and important to me. Um, and I think, and I'm, I'm not even trying to offend anyone, but like I have friends who are black who refuse to come back to Christianity because they're like, yo, that's a white man's religion. You're, 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 you're for the longest time. And I think we all can say this, the representation we had for Jesus was of a white man, long flowing brown hair, bright blue eyes, very European features. Like that was the, that was the representation that we had of our, of our Messiah. And it is so important for us as a church, because I believe we're supposed to, we don't, we don't allow culture to dictate us, but we, we hustle culture. Um, we, we are, and I think Paul presented that the best because he would take the things of the culture and then swing it on its head and be like, no, no, no. Well, you worship this God, but let me tell you about the God of the universe, um, who you made this altar for. And so for us, it's like the church has to be engaged with what's happening in the world. We can't bury our heads in the sand and pretend like, and I, I mean, I love, I love my church and I love the church around us, but if I hear one more marriage series, like, 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 I'm gonna lose it. Like, if I hear one more marriage series, I'm gonna lose it. I'm like, okay, I get it. Like, but here's the deal. Like, it's 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 not the predominant thing that's happening. Yes, broken families are are terrible, and we don't want that. We want whole families. But at the same time, how are you gonna explain to how's the gospel? How's the gospel being applied? to my friend who, who, who is dealing with depression and anxiety? How's the gospel applied to my friend who is being called racial slurs at his school? How's the gospel being applied to, we, we have a divided nation and we don't wanna to touch it because we don't wanna lose congregants. Like, like it's, it's, it has to be a thing where we have to be bold and be willing to say the truth in love, um, that Jesus fully embodied grace and truth, but we have to be able to live that out and speak that out um, because we are, we are losing. I'm, I'm going to be real with you. People, my generation and below us, they don't want to go to church. They, they, they don't want to go to church. Why? Because they're like, dude, the church and Christians are viewed as boring, bigots, intolerant, uh, racist. Like, I mean, just some of the things I've asked my friends just straight up and they know me because I have that relationship with them but they don't want to go to church because we're not a good representation of Jesus. We're not, we're not embodying that, 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 that representation of Christ. And so, yes, it is important to have, I want all ethnicities to be represented, not just black. Like I want all ethnicities to be represented. I, I want someone to come and talk about the plights of our native American brothers and sisters and how they're literally their land and their humanity was stolen from them. And now for our Latino brothers and sisters, who 
would say like, man, like, I don't know where my place is in America right now. Uh, I, I, I want, I want people to come in and share their experiences and my white brothers and sisters, like there's room for them at the table too, as well. And so when we start to say like, Hey, let's, let's, let's make this space and this room and everyone here, the foot of the cross is equal. There's no levels to it. It's all equal. I want to be able to do that and sit down and have those conversations and have the hard conversation. Even if you don't agree with it and you don't like it, have the hard conversation. But yeah, I'm gonna stop because I'm, I'm gonna put the period on it too. <laughs> I like how you said, let's make this space. Because the fact of the matter is we're okay with, with making space for people as long as it doesn't make us uncomfortable. Um, for myself, um, I had a visit to um, Phoenix, Arizona earlier this year, and I learned more about being uh, on the reserve as a Native American and, and what they really go through. And I'm just so grateful that my friend, you know, she has these Native American friends that I can really understand and just save that space for them in whatever capacity it is. Um, and and what, I, what I love about that community is that her friends even though they did not have the best, they were out there picketing for Black lives. You know, my, my Latina friends, you know, they, they were out there, you know, <laughs> on the front lines. And I'm like, man, you know, there is room at the table. I should not get overly excited when I am watching church and I go, we have a black elder. My kids, they were like, mommy, there's, and I'm like, wow, that should not be a, a thing. It should be, and I, I was like, wow, that's pretty amazing. It should just be a given. And I have to be honest with you. If our worship leader uh, uh, Chip Clark, and I, I never knew him until he came, you know, to Blackhawk or whatever. But if, it, if, if, if I didn't see him in leadership, I may not even have even given the church a chance because I had already been in a church where I know there's an African-American woman who's been denied being on the worship team because she had too much soul in her voice. Okay. Now I've also been to a predominantly black church in Fort Wayne, shouting, sweating, sweat your wigs off, everything. But the difference is when my, I call him a mutt of a husband because he's, he's, he's white, Native American, Hispanic, and, and, and German and, and all the things, there was no, oh, there's the white guy. He was just welcome. He had a seat at the table. You serving? Okay, that's fine. Oh, we love, you know, there was no, black people don't care. You here? You a part of the body of Christ? Good. All right. That's amazing. And it, I don't know, it's just so different. Like why, why do I get excited? Because I'm represented, you know, even with uh, uh, Kamala. Oh gosh, I cried. Why, why does that happen? Maybe they can't empathize or save space because they don't, 
they've never had to fight to be seen. They don't know what it's like to go to a store and say, wait, nope, hold on. Maybe this every day, maybe. And that's the same thing for the church. You know, I, I would love if our diversity, even still, was more than a youth pastor or a worship leader. And that when the, when the black elder went a little long or had a little soul in his voice, he didn't get cut off on the audio. I'm talking too much. I didn't know if Tremaine was going, go. but statistically, it says that our children of color want to see people represented and we flourish. We are successful when we see people of color in leadership roles. And I take that so seriously. I too also work with families. I work with families of all ethnicity and I love it so much. I get a chance to go into their homes and I am so welcome when I come. My African brothers and sisters, when I go in, they have like table already laid out for me when I get there. I can't even leave when I say, no, I can't have food. No, 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 Miss Cassandra, you will not leave my house unless I serve you. Hispanic families the same way. Burmese family the same way. I love getting to know all of them. I just ask that I have that same in return. And the same, as you said about I went to a majority black church. We were not allowed to only sing gospel. They said, let's sing Hillsong. That's where I, my first experience of Hillsong and integrity was there because we wanted everybody to have a seat at the table and to be represented. So this experience that I'm having right now. Again, I love the music. I just want more representation in the music. I've not seen because I have asked and we ask. So when somebody may go a little bit long or have a little soulful voice, that is me. <laughs> I don't feel fully accepted. Even if you say, oh, that sounded good. I'm like, well, was I different? <laughs> was it something different about me? You know, cause I thought I sung that song, Welcome Holy Spirit, just like somebody else did. I just sung it, Cassandra, you know, as the Holy Spirit was leading me. But I, I feel that it is in parent. It is very important that you have people of color in leadership, especially if you have not thought about bringing someone to minister the word of God in the pulpit, I, that makes me think what's going on. What are you thinking? Why? Why? Because my son, my African-American sons, they need to see that as well as they see any 
one else in there. They need to see that. And being involved in the community, I like that our church do get uh, involved in the community and get uh, in the trenches in the community. But I like to see us get more partnership, not in the helping mode of I will help and assist you, but partner with you. That's what I say when I work with my families, when I go into their home, I'm not here to save you. I'm not here to set this goal with you and tell you what to do. I'm here to partner with you so I can help you go to the, or assist you go to your next step or level, but not to say, oh, I got all the answers. No, I don't have all the answers. Where would you like to go next? What are some of your dreams and hope? That's the whole thing of getting to know and have a relationship. But that's, to me, working in a community is being a partner with that person or churches. So, uh... And if anybody else has anything to say, you can jump into, but just to kind of like wrap up everything, uh, say that there is a pastor or a leader who is white and who is listening to this and they are the pastor or the leader of a predominantly white church. Maybe what they're hearing is news to them and they didn't realize that this is how people of color felt that were in their congregations. Uh, and I think that a lot of people don't realize that. I think as we've discussed, I think a lot of people, I think there are people who just aren't listening or aren't taking the time to understand, but, um, but say they're listening and this is news to them. What is something that you would say to that white pastor, that white leader, uh, that, um, like they have people of color in their congregation. What would, what, like is some advice or some pointers or whatever that you would give them that something they could do now that is going to impact the people of color in their church, like starting now. That's a deep question. <laughs> I know, I know. Honestly, I'm very grateful for um, Pastor Kevin because he was, not afraid to speak up and out about the injustice that was going on and then lead it back to the gospel. He said the hard thing and then he went back to the gospel and, and kept it, you know, just basic. You know, he didn't over-emotionalize everything that was going on. And so I appreciate him for doing the hard thing because I know there's a lot of people that got disappointed this year by their white pastor um, who may have leaned on them to be that representative in the church. And then when they were hurting, they were silent. And so if you're a pastor who feels like you don't have a voice or you can't speak up, it's okay to speak up according to the gospel. You speak the truth in love. And I see you and I know that there's pressure because you have people in your congregation that don't want you to, to rock the boat. There's this pressure of, hmm, if I say this, 
are the tithing and the offering going to go? Is that going to go down? Because we still have to preserve, you know, there's, there's a, ah, gosh, I, I feel for pastors because, you know, we should be a culture who says, all right, there's the gospel, that's it. But there's this pressure that we have to make sure that we're not stepping on toes to those people who don't want the change and who don't want you to rock the boat and they want to sit in their comfortable space of ignorance. I guess my advice to you would be choosy this day which God you're going to serve. Because as Christians, we're going to offend sometimes when we speak the truth in love. Jesus was not always politically correct. Uh, sometimes he had to throw a few tables. And so I encourage you to walk in truth and love and that um, you make sure your truth lines up with the God of the Bible instead of the God of stripes and stars on a star-spangled banner. That'll preach. I, I would say too, that our pastor has also been courageous in speaking out. And I know he has lost some because he, of him being courageous. And I commend him I also, the word says to pray for those who are over us. And I have a prayer board in my room and his name is on it. But, and that has made me feel good. And it also has made me just be proud of the leadership that he has not only spoke out, he has also talked about it also. He just talked about it last week about the political climate what we are, because we heard some things about this is the end of the world. And I'm trying to say what well, somebody needed had told me so I could get my stuff in order, but <laughs> I did not know. But I appreciate the message that went out that we are not to be moved by the things of changing, you know, we are to be the, the uh, movers and the changers and we are supposed to be the believers that is setting the atmosphere and sometimes we're not that uh, so i commend um our pastor because he has been teaching and speaking out um, about the things that are happening now in 2020 but what i would say to pastors is uh in in a predominantly white church is that the word said that we are to be one, but not the same. When it comes to First uh, Corinthians, I think it's in 12, by us being the eyes and the head and the hands and the feet, we're, that means that we all did different things. We all function, but we are one body, but not the same. So you, I can't be the eye. I can't be the head, I can't be the foot. So when I'm trying to put my piece together a round circle in a square, that's not what I was called to be because we always called to do something. So that's what I would say is to 
uh, look at the people in the body and use them according to their gifts, abilities, and the asset. And not, because a lot of people take that scripture and say we are to be one, but that doesn't mean that we are to be the same. We're not the same. Uh, so this is, uh, I mean, it's twofold. This is for both my white brothers and sisters and my, and my, my black brothers and sisters. It's, I, I mean, anybody, anyone who's in the body of Christ, um, we are to seek to understand and not always to be understood. Um, we are to lower ourselves to the point of being a servant, uh, to, to be servants. Um, and I, I always go back to the verse where, you know, even though Jesus was uh, equal to God. He did not use that for his own advantage, um, but yet he humbled himself to the point of servanthood. And for me, this journey of, and I love, I love my white wife. I love my white friends. I love my white brothers and sisters. Um, I love my church. Um, I don't always agree with everything. And I don't think we should always agree with everything. Um, I think we should be able to disagree and, and still come to the table and still and still partake and, and be, be and come to the table. So I think one, I think leaders in the church have to be willing to have those hard conversations um, and, 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 and not be afraid of, of being offended. And that's on both. I've, I've told my friends who are black, like, dude, if we wanna see change happen, we cannot be afraid of offense. Um, because if that's, if that's going to be the case, then nothing's going to change. Um, and then my white brothers and sisters too, um, it's, it's okay. You're, you're learning. <laughs> it's, it's okay. There, there is grace, uh, an abundance of grace, um, for you too, as well. Do not, do not be afraid. God is not giving you the spirit of fear. Um, you're, you're learning. We're all learning and we're growing. Um, but let's continuously have the conversations. And I think now the Lord has used COVID-19, a, a terrible virus to open the eyes of America. Um, God has used our presidency or our government and some of the things that have said to open the eyes of the church. Um, and, I, and I love what you said about, we are not called to worship the stars and the stripes we, we are blessed to live in an amazing country, but before we are Americans, we are Christians. And the kingdom of heaven comes first before the empire of America. Um, and so we cannot worship at the foot of the donkey or the elephant, but we are worshiping the the, the king of all kings. And I, and I love this, I'm gonna, I'm gonna stop it right here. But I love that, and this is so weird, but out of all the people, I was watching SNL, um, and Dave Chappelle, out of all the people, was talking about this, like, yo, like, check on your friends, the people who lost they, they, that the election that they lost, because they're afraid. They're, they're afraid. And I feel like, and I love, and, and I don't know, but like, I feel like my white brothers and sisters are afraid, like they're losing, they're losing something. Um, and so I'm just saying, my brothers, you don't be afraid. We, we want to set the table with you as well. Um, so yeah. 
I don't really have much to add to that. That was, <laughs> I think everybody kind of nailed it. I think, um, I think for me, it does kind of lean back to some of what everyone else is saying. Like, you know, when the word says in your getting, get an understanding. And I think that, you know, hopefully this time period has kind of opened up people to want to just get an understanding. But then I think the other thing that I, I would say would be key that, you know, while, while you're seeking to understand and seeking, you know, while you're trying to have a heart for God and have a heart for his people, um, consistency is big. Um, this is not something where we want to just, you know, where we want to have these conversations when, when things are going horrible, you know, or, you know, people are crying out, but in season and out of season, you know, that this should be woven into the fabric of your existence, into the fabric of who, who your church is, you know, that if you are serving Christ, these things should not be abnormal. Seek to make them normal, normalize it. Seek to make, you know, the experience as a whole normal that, you know, when if someone, you know, black or, you know, Native American, whatever, they come through your doors, the experience should not feel different for them versus how it feels for everybody else seek to make it so that they come in and they're just like, hey, these are just people that love God. I don't even have to think about who I need to be here. They welcome me in, all are welcome, come as you are, and that's fine. And I think that, you know, what people really want to see, you know, is, is just that consistency, that constant, no, we're sticking with this. We're still here. Um, I mean, it's one of the things that I've appreciated, you know, with you, Brandon, that, you know, when you post something, it's not, hey, I posted that on Monday and I'm done. It's like, there's this constant reminder. No, we're still working towards this thing. No, this is still, we're still doing this, guys. This is not, <laughs> this is not Tuesday. We're, we're, we're here. We're doing this. We're going to confront it. We're going to overcome it. We're going to be better than we were before, you know, and it's like, I think that's the thing that I would say, you know, to a lot of, you know, a lot of pastors is don't, don't try to do it just to be cute or just to kind of appease, but really put your whole heart into wanting to be better, wanting it to look more like Christ, wanting it to have his heart behind it and not, not a political agenda, you know, not one side or the other, but to actually want to be united so much has been has been trying to be stripped has been trying to be divided put one against the other when christ is like no all are welcome all can come to me <laughs> and have life and it's like i think that it's just important to kind of keep that in the forefront that while you're trying to understand continue to try to understand you know to continue to try to grow continue to try to try to be there for people who, you know, you may not understand their experience, but you love them and that's all that matters. Like where they came from, what they did, those are important, but letting them know that the love that Christ has for them is even above that and continuing to sow that and the rest will just come together. But I think, I think that's where, where I sit with it is that, you know, I don't want it to be a token expression, but to actually be walked out consistently. So I want to add one more thing. 
Um, don't mock when black people are celebrating first. Um, our VP elect was, whether you agree with her policies or who she is or not, that, and I see here's the thing, because when you're a political exile, you can celebrate change and celebrate progression. You can critique as well, um, <laughs> because it's not my home. This is temporary. But um, <laughs> don't mock when representation and, 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 and ceilings are broken, because I, I cried when our, our VP elect, when she was, Camilla here, when she was announced as the first Asian black woman to be elected into the second, I mean, like the, she's our VP. That's great. That's, that's showing so many young women and young people of color and minorities that you can do it. When Obama was elected, brother, I don't care what you think of the man. My grandmother cried. She bawled because she's like, I never thought I'd see the day where a black man was elected to the highest position in, in, in America. Don't mock that. Celebrate that. You don't have to agree with the policies. You don't have to agree with who the person is, but celebrate that with people of color. Like when AOC was elected, I was like, dude, that's so cool. I don't agree with everything, but that is so cool. And I will celebrate that with you because that shows that you're above, you're above the politics and you see what that means to people of color. Um, so yeah, that's how I want to end it with that. Awesome. Well, that's a, I mean, that's a great place to end. Uh, I just want to thank each of you guys for coming on here and just sharing your hearts and being honest. Uh, I know this isn't always an easy conversation, uh, but I think it's an important conversation and I really uh, hope that people listen to this and it causes them to have conversations and to hold uh, people in leadership accountable to make sure that representation and happens and to make sure that all people are acknowledged and brought into that community and not out of tokenism, but out of true being part of, a, of the body of Christ and brothers and sisters. So uh, yeah, thanks for coming on. And uh, I'm really looking forward to the continued conversations that come out of this. I'd like to say thank you, Brandon, for a platform like this. I appreciate it and I appreciate you for having great vision and also wisdom to have this platform. Yeah, man, it's awesome. You're yeah. doing great stuff. Appreciate you. Yeah. Thank you. you can yeah, this was awesome. This was such a great conversation. This last episode and this episode uh, what, with this conversation with uh, these friends was really, really impactful 
for me to listen to them, to listen to their stories. Uh, I don't do this just to get accolades or thanks. Uh, it's really just passion that God has put in my heart to make sure that these voices are heard, that these stories are heard, that the, this is talked about. And, uh, you know, I'm not going to stop. I'm just going to keep pushing until, you know, everybody that needs to listen is listening and everybody that needs to take action is taking action. So uh, I hope that you got a lot out of the today's episode and the last episode on this conversation about uh, being a person of color in a majority white church. And I hope it opened your eyes and just, you know, like they mentioned several times in the conversation that it just helps you to have empathy for those that are part of your life. And, uh, and even those that you may not know, just having empathy for their life and their s- struggles and their story and what they have to go through because it's so easy to get wrapped up in our individualistic world and what only impacts us. And we forget to see what's happening to a lot of people around us. So uh, if you enjoyed this conversation, if you feel like this episode or the last two episodes are uh, something that somebody in your life needs to listen to, I think, again, any person that is white should be listening to this conversation, to these conversations. And I don't know how else to say that. If you are a pastor or if you are a leader in a predominantly white church and you are white, you need to listen to these conversations and to what these panelists have to say because it is happening in your church, period. So listen, have empathy, and take action because we are all part of the same body. So if you feel like you know somebody who needs to hear this, please share it with them. You can find us on social media at The Brood Life Podcast on Facebook and Instagram. And go out to your favorite so, uh, podcasting platform, share it from there, and you can subscribe and rate and review the podcast there as well. So, again, I'm so grateful for our panelists for everything that they shared and how open and honest and vulnerable they were throughout this whole conversation. Thanks again for listening, guys. Uh, we will be back on Monday with our season four finale. And, uh, looking forward to that it's been a great season so stick around and i will see you on the next episode for another conversation